Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes How are you guys doing out there? This is another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and the greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows this past week. Uh, Chris, say hey. We got our second show this week because we, we had a banger, a three-hour broadcast going over AEW, uh, New Japan's um, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, and uh, that was our main our main shtick. So today, SmackDown and NXT. Are you excited? Hell yeah, man! Totally excited. NXT was a very good show. I think it kind of got a little swept under the rug with everything that was going on in the world, as well as as much fucking wrestling that was out last week. But it was a very good show. So I'm excited to talk about that. SmackDown was also pretty good. Um, it was a little different than I thought it was going to be, but it was a it was a good show. So I'm very excited, man. This has been a busy weekend for me, podcast. I did I got the Skates to Thirds podcast uh, tomorrow, so technically I'm going to have like eight hours of content this week. <laughs> you podcasting it up, not giving a fuck, living life in the fast lane. Yeah, you know. Well, I got I got my noon beer, so that you know that goes a long way. I got my noon coffee, so I think I'll be good as well. Um, yeah, so. Buckle up, uh, you know, make sure your seatbelts are sturdy. We got a awesome show for you recorded in the dirty, dirty South uh, Atlanta ATL motherfucking. So let's go over some stuff. I guess, uh, you know what, now that I just thought of it on top of my head, I will throw it out there that certain uh, times when people are kind of gushing about a certain match, I go and uh, check it out. And got to say that I was very impressed by the Cruiserweight title match um, on the last uh, NXT UK. Uh, They had Jordan Devlin, who's the champion, who is actually the real Cruiserweight champion. Had a pause due to the pandemic, but we won't go into that. So now there's two of them. Uh, But he was going, he had an open challenge. And last week, Ben Carter, uh, someone who made a splash over at um, AEW, uh, going against a couple people, having some pretty amazing matches. Uh, and then got signed to WWE shortly after that. Uh, he um, he called him out, being from uh, the UK himself. So they had a really awesome match. It's I'm not going to say it, this is not like the week that I, I you know told Chris about and was going around with the whole Walter Ilya Dragunov match, not to that level or anything like that. But if you want to see a really fun, fast-paced match with two guys that are agile as shit, I check this out. I definitely recommend it. It's the last episode uh, of UK, uh, and it's kind of cool because Ben Carter was trained by Seth Rollins. Uh, that's his protege. He's been working with him for a while now. He's about 22 years old, and Devlin, who's 30, is Finn Balor's uh, protege. So it was kind of cool in that dynamic as well. Uh, the guys that were trained by said people, you know, uh, were able to go against each other. But uh, Devlin won. He kept his title. So they're going to continue with him, but I feel like Ben Carter is going to be in the mix. And man, if they didn't have the pandemic, uh, you know, going on right now, they could do a really cool thing involving Seth and Finn 
uh, and their two protégés uh, to make one of their pay-per-views really big, kind of like they did in the past with Finn uh, stepping in and going against Jordan Devlin to be to begin with. So uh, I'm rambling on, rambling on. I sent you a message about it, Chris, after watching it. Um, what do you think about the concept of, uh, and I have no idea if you even saw Ben Carter, uh, but of Seth's protege and and Devil and uh, Finn Balor's protege having a cruiserweight title match. Well, I love the uh, I love the idea of like you said, bringing in their teachers, their mentors at some point down the road. I obviously with, I mean, I think Seth is going to be out past Rumble, right? So past the end of this month, he's on paternal paternity leave. But if uh, COVID comes down and stuff, that'd be really cool. Like even if it was just a tag match or something they wanted to do when they bring Seth back. He doesn't necessarily have to go directly back to the main roster. If they wanted to do something like that, that'd be awesome. This match did seem to get a lot of traction online. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on NXT UK. It's just hard for me to watch every week. This match was, I mean, me too. it's it's unfortunate because it seems like they put out a lot of good content. And uh, I kind of wish maybe they would start adding the better matches since they're going to be recorded anyways into the NXT show, like if there's a really good cruiserweight match in the UK or a really good heavyweight match like Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, get that shit on TV so more people see it, which will get them intrigued into the show to watch, you know, your normal NXT UK show. I don't know what their ratings for that show looks like, but it's definitely not talked about as much as some of the other shows that WWE does. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. I want to see these guys mix it up more. Uh, this is kind of my first time watching Ben Carter, so um, I don't know. He, he he's he looks, uh he's interesting for sure. So I, I I don't have enough to critique his like past or or where he came from or anything on this one. Um, I must have missed him on the indie scenes, but this was uh this was pretty damn good. People were right. You were right. So I definitely checked it out late last night. Um, very good match. Everyone out good. there, check out NXT UK it's, if you have more time than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually, so the two matches that he had, I believe, they were both on dark, and people were making a rumble. One he had with Lee Johnson, which Lee Johnson was trained by Cody over at the uh, Nightmare Factory and is now a part of the Nightmare family itself. Uh, he's the newest member. But they tore it up and had an amazing match. Ben got the win. And then he went against Ricky Starks and had a really great match the next week um, and ended up losing to him. But, uh, you know, just good kid, you know, trained by a hell of a wrestler. I like his implements of, like, doing somersaults, like front somersaults to get away from someone, and it's fluid, so it actually looks good. And I got to say, like, you know, just in general, Jordan Devlin is very underrated. Uh, the Irish Ace is pretty much a badass. I like how sinister he is uh, with his heel work. And I like that he does stuff, and, like, he's agile shit, but he does, he's not worried about making certain things look pretty. Like, he did um, the normal standard uh, running towards each other Spanish fly spot, but he flipped his body over and kind of, like, smashed a person's head down, almost giving him, like, a DDT on the way down. I appreciate stuff like that because it makes sense for him to be a heel, not worried about, like, Ben Carter – making him look so cool to the audience. So good stuff. Definitely check it out if you'd like to. It's If you have the network, you really just, you know, if you get time, whatever. I was going to say you're, 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 uh, you're fooling yourself, but, you know, there's only so much time in the day, right, Chris? Exactly. And, and like we said, uh, our show was three hours yesterday, and we 
haven't even covered the majority of WWE yet. So when you throw in a couple more hours of wrestling, whoo, and we're going to get more AW like we talked about on yesterday's show. So it's, uh, yeah, I wish I had more time for WWE UK. I definitely try to take it, check out the highlight matches. If I was, if I was NXT, I would start, like I said, trying to add these matches in almost like how impact does their, uh, match from the past or whatever. Do that, but do it with your current products that may not necessarily be on uh, on TV, like NXT UK, or even if you have like a really good 205 Live match, like tell us what that is. Like, uh, what was the guy's name that was challenging for the Cruiserweight title recently that they just brought in? Is it Brandon Rust? Yes, I believe. So, like, they gave us that setup for that match. They never told us what happened on 205 Live. <laughs> Wouldn't it have made sense to at least show the match on NXT or some clips from the match? Stuff like that to get people intrigued on these other shows. I think that's something that NXT could do in the future, especially because they have all this content and they have really great matches on some of these shows. It's just it gets buried. If you're if you're a wrestling fan of multiple products, it's going to be very hard to watch all of this WWE that comes out each week. Oh, yeah. And that's like I said, I think one thing I'd love to get back in the MLW and I'm just having a, a hard time just jumping back in. But, you know, they have Mil Mortez coming back, obviously, we talked about with Selena De La Renta trying to take out Conan. And now, apparently, like, Lucha Underground itself, like, a lot of the elements of that show might be coming onto it, is what they've been suggesting. So, that's cool that they're trying to bring back that element, because I love Lucha Underground, and I really love MLW uh, itself. But, like, like we're talking about, there's so much wrestling out there. I guess we shouldn't complain. Because not too long ago, Chris, all we had was AEW, Raw, SmackDown, NXT with absolutely no audience. Uh, almost a year ago. A couple months short of a year. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, even before that, before AEW spun up, all you really had, as far as main shit to watch, was WWE on TV. So it's cool to see all these things breaking out. And uh, I did watch a lot of the MLW Opera Cup. Shout out to Filthy Tom, who won that thing. That was a very good tournament. But I also watched it like a month late. <laughs> Or what seems like a month late at this point. So that's the, that I get, you know, I try to go back and watch as much as I can, but obviously we can't, you can't watch everything, unfortunately. Oh, one thing I should uh, say is I said that we were going to go over the results of Hard to Kill uh, from Impact, which is, has the featured match of Rick Swan and Kenny Omega, or Rich Swan, I should say, and Motor City Machine Guns against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Um, and we went over the most of the card and, you know, kind of talked about it on the last episode that a lot of y'all probably have already heard. If you didn't, just check it out. Uh, now that's where we cover AEW and, uh, and Wrestle Kingdom. But um, anyways, uh, last night was actually a separate smaller pay-per-view, I guess, um, called Genesis. And it was all just a Super X Cup tournament. And I wanted to get into it, but they introduced new people. And I was like, I've watched way too much fucking wrestling. And uh, one of the matches I saw looked awesome at Ace Austin, who I'm really big on, and he ended up winning it. Uh, but another apparent great just tournament show. And uh, big kudos to MLW, Ring of Honor with their pure tournament, like you said, MLW with their tournament, um, and now and also the X Division one. That that part of wrestling just needs to be implemented a lot more often. I love tournaments. Uh, New New Japan definitely gets that correct better than most, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, the uh, Dusty um, tag tournaments. Uh, not only in NXT, they're going to be having a men's one, but also a women's one, Chris. 
Yeah. Um, so I did watch the last match with Ace Austin, where he defeated Blake Christian, which I thought was a really, did really I say good Austin match. Theory? No, you said Ace Austin, oh, okay. um, who I who I think me and you are both really high on. But this is the first time they've held that tournament since 2005. And I don't remember this being heavily promoted on Impact this week. Now, granted, I did, nope. I did kind of skate through Impact to the main, the main storyline, which was obviously is still Omega and the Invisible Hand on Callus, and the Good Brothers, and uh, the setup for Eddie Edwards. All the stuff we talked about that's going to be on Hard to Kill. I don't remember them saying a whole lot about this. Am I crazy in that? See. I missed the opening match. The opening match was a four-way with two new guys, and then Ace Austin, um, and who else was the fourth person? Might have been TJP, but basically that was, I guess, to get who is going to like have a buy in the tournament. Um, I think was 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 the stakes for it, and that was the only time they mentioned it. But I didn't watch really the first. I hate saying that, but yeah, I mean, there's so much wrestling. If I don't know people and they're just introducing them. You know, just just throwing them into a match without any type of buildup and uh, you know, uh, getting to know that person, I can kind of be like, eh, I'm good if I just don't pay attention to this. So I'm a terrible person, Chris. Uh, no, I don't think you're a terrible person. I mean, and definitely they did not. I don't remember them bringing it up a whole lot through the show. I did watch a recorded version of the Twitch, uh, the Twitch stream. So I don't know if that was maybe different between what they would have shown on Access. Um, but the focus was heavily on hard to kill for the rest of the show. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I like Ace Austin. It's cool that they're bringing up the idea of this cup. Uh, it seems like every company is doing something like this now. Uh, we're getting the May Young Cup soon, too, right? They're doing that in WWE or NXT or the Dusty the Dusty Tag Tournament, right? Yep. Male and women's. So we just had Ring of Honor's tournament. We had MLW's tournament. We had the male and women's tournament that's going to be on NXT. Like you said, are these tournaments going to wear you out? Because the formatting is a lot different than the format for like New Japan, where it is a two-month-long thing. Yeah, I, I think that you know they're trying to like the, even though obviously they haven't done either of them in a long time, you know with. Actually, I don't think MLW's pulled out their tournament in a long time because that was a step. What was the name of the MLW tournament? I'm sorry, Chris. I believe it's the Opera, the Opera Cup. Yeah, the Opera Cup, which was a prestigious tournament from fucking Stu Hart and Calgary Wrestling back in the day that they used because of their connections between Harry and whatnot. Um, so they haven't done that itself in a long time, and it looked like Ring of Honor did that with the Pure Tournament, and now Impact did that with the X Division Tournament. Maybe to try to bring prestige based off the success of New Japan with theirs, and also NXT with their Dusty uh, Tag Team Tournament, which last year was pretty lackluster from what I remember, but usually is a big deal um, normally. Like we're going to be getting some makeshift teams like Gargano and uh, Theory as a part of it, but it, it kind of will be overwhelming, but at the same time, at least they're doing something, you know, even though there's not a storyline behind it, at least they're doing something sports-based as, I guess, filler uh, while they're trying to negate or navigate other stories within the uh, show itself. Yeah, I for sure. Uh, with the Dusty Tournament, the only thing I'm worried about is, like you said, the makeshift teams. And also, they do, it's not point-based, right? So it's just going to be one loss and you're out. 
I think that's how they yep. did it last year. So I don't it, think that's, I mean, that's point based. Well, it, it, besides G one, which is yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. I, besides G one, G one is the thing about G one that's kind of what makes G one as awesome as it is is you get all of these like kind of dream matchups and great matchups, but it is point based. It's almost more like a season within New J- New Japan's year. I mean, it's like it's kind of like a soccer season. You know what I mean? As the far as, far as the way they handle the points in the tournament itself, and everyone wrestles everyone pretty much uh, within their block. I think I like that format better, but not every company is going to be able to do that just because the American audience obviously being different than the Japanese audience. But it is cool to see these tournaments come back. I mean, for for years, me and you have been like, why the fuck are they not doing more tournaments? If you're going to make wins and losses matter, you should be doing tournaments, uh, doing things that, you know, where it's a point-based system, where it makes sense of, you know, why you would be having these matches or these tournaments. And then at the end of the tournament, there should be a legitimate prize. So if I win one of these tournaments, I should have a title shot or something. So it's, it's cool to see this coming back and they're, they're trying to put prestige behind it. Unfortunately for impact, I just don't remember this being brought up a whole lot. It seems like <laughs> Me a, neither. this seems like a secondary thought. And obviously they're booking hard or hard to kill really heavily because I mean, shit, they're going to be bringing it. More than likely, Moxley is going to show up on this fucking thing. So they need to be booking it heavily. And that's, you know, their big next pay-per-view, which I'm sure they're going to be charging $49.99 for. And, uh, yeah, probably. I definitely agree with you. But, um, yeah, thought we'd uh, just bring that up. Let's uh, let's get into this, uh, this wrestling that we're supposed to be reviewing. Um, but... First, a uh, little uh, part of business, I kind of wanted to go over New Japan's, uh, uh, what is it, New Year's, uh, New Year's, we just talked about it too, their New Year's Dash show, um, and let you kind of go over maybe not only the matches itself, but any type of play out of uh, storylines, since this is kind of New Japan's mania, or their Raw After Mania, uh, if you didn't know that, guys, so... This kind of sets up some stuff going forward. Uh, do you want to kind of give me a, an overview of that, Chris? Sure. Um, this year was a little different than most of the years in the past. We didn't get a whole lot of storylines coming out of it that you would think. And I think the the reasoning behind that is more so that they don't know how many more shows they're going to be able to run. And a lot of the gaijin wrestlers are people who don't necessarily live in Japan maybe exiting Japan, like we talked about with Jay White for a while. But uh, on the card, we had Yuji Nagata versus Gabriel Kidd, Minoru Suzuki and Doki versus Tiger Mask and uh, Yumura. Uh, we had Will Ospreay, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb versus Tenzin, Kojima, and uh, Yoda. We had Tamatanga, Tangalo. So we, just go ahead and tell you, we had like a bunch of multi-min matches, just as a heads up. That's the kind of show this ended up being. Tamatanga, Tangalo, Taji Ishimori, El Fantasmo versus Tai Chi, Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, and uh, Kanamura. Uh, we also had Okada, Toriyano, Goto, Tomoro Ishii, and Yoshihashi versus Jay White, Evil, Bad Luck, Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. So basically the Bullet Club. Koto Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi. In the following match, we had Ibushi, Tanahashi, Rocky Romero, Sho, and Mr. Wada versus uh, Sonata, Naito, Tagagi, Takahashi, and Bushi. Um, Nagata and Kid had a pretty damn good opening match. I would suggest watching that one. Uh, he 
he looks really good here. Let's say that. Let's just say that. But he ended up defeating Gabriel Kidd in about an eight-minute match. The rest of the matches, like I said, were tag matches and and uh, tag matches and just double matches. You had the team of Suzuki and Doki beating Tiger Mask and uh, Yamura, and that was about a ten-minute match. It was okay. Suzuki was awesome. He uh, he used a misdirection at the end of the match, and he set up a rear naked choke and then hit a gotch pile driver for the win, which was fucking awesome because Suzuki's awesome. And then we had a bunch of set up Will Ospreay's group, obviously, defeating Tenzin, Kojima, and Suji, which is just carrying that storyline forward um, and showing some dominance within that group. I think they needed to win this match because Ospreay and the Great Okan lost. Uh, the previous night, so it made sense that they would get a win here. Uh, the same thing with uh, Tamatanga, Tingalo. This was just kind of a fun match for the crowd. There was a lot of spots, uh, nothing really to write home home about, and the Bullet Club used a kendo stick shot on um, from Jado on the floor to establish advantage and work over Desperado. And uh, that kind of set up to the to, to the finish where uh, Phantasmo. I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Oh, Kanamura tried to swing a, a whiskey bottle at Phant, but Phantasmo ducked the shot, and then he uh, he hit a super kick and pinned him. So that was kind of your finish uh, for that match. And then the Okada match uh, was just more of Jay White not being able to win a match. So that multi-group match, they played into that storyline. So just continuation of stuff that they actually did at Wrestle Kingdom. It wasn't your... It wasn't like last year where they just kind of hit reset on everything. And I think that makes sense with what they have going on in Japan right now. Pretty good show. You could tell that a lot of guys were tired uh, from Wrestle Kingdom and the matches they put on there. I mean, most of the matches on Wrestle Kingdom were 20 to 30 minutes long. All the matches on the show were pretty... I think I don't think there was a match over 15 minutes on this entire show, which for New Japan is kind of wild. Um, but it was it was very much. We're going to continue the storylines, and for the most part, all the baby faces won. Uh, so, yeah, I, weird show. Not bad. Just there wasn't wasn't a whole lot to talk about. And if you don't like multi min matches, this one you might be able to skip. All right. Well, I mean, I guess that was the question I was going to ask you is that it seems to be a pretty light show compared to what they've done in the past, setting up more stuff uh, for the next coming year. Um, but, you know, if, if you were to recommend, it's not necessary for if you are like a new New Japan fan to have to watch it as much as as it has been in the past, basically. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple matches I would probably watch. Like, I would watch the the LIJ match and the Bullet Club match just because you had LIJ beating the current champion, Kota Ibushi, and what that means for Naito and Kota going forward may be important because I'm assuming there will be a rematch there based on how they kind of ended it with uh, Naito handing the titles in respect to Kota. So that was that was an interesting match. That was your main event. Um, and then the opener was really, really good, which I was surprised by. Not that I should be surprised that Nuji Nagata had a good match, but uh, him and Gabriel Kidd had a very great opening match. So if you're going to watch two matches, those would be the two I'd recommend. The uh, Okada 
Yano, Goto, Ishii, Jay White, Evil or versus the Bullet Club match was also really good just because it continued Jay White being awesome in his role. And you can tell he's kind of getting even more disheveled than he was at Wrestle Kingdom. And this is also coming off the heels of the great promo that we talked about on yesterday's show. So that I mean, there's interesting stuff on this, but if you're if you're not a New Japan fan, maybe start with Wrestle Kingdom if you're going to try to get into the product, and then you might be able to flash over this show. Like I said, it's uh, I feel like every time we talk about one of these New Japan shows that are all multi-man matches, I, I don't know that that's going to draw in a new fan of their product. Yeah, I mean that's very very true. Um, but just uh. I'll go check out those matches that you suggested. I always like watching it. Uh, actually, one really quick question before we go: Did Will Osprey have anything to say after you know any type of promo, talking shit about Okada or anything like that? So they didn't really do any promo spots on the show itself, and I didn't watch any of the. I know they did a presser afterwards. Uh, I, I, I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to check any of that out yet. All right, well, we'll have to see. Um, but uh, that's pretty much everything to talk about, uh, you know, just an update. Um, so I kind of want just to mention before we go into NXT, the uh, rating situation for AEW's Dynamite's New Year's Smash. Um, they drew 662,000 viewers and had a .25 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic. On TNT, while WWE's uh, NXT New Year's Evil show produced 641,000 viewers and a .16 rating on the USA Network. I mean, we say it every single time. I only go over these numbers so people just know what they are uh, to keep it relevant since everyone wants to talk about the Wednesday Night War. Uh, This is a good week to show that they cannibalize each other having these mini pay-per-views at the same time once again. It would benefit NXT to move to another night so both of them can get their, you know, the amount of viewership instead of, you know, Vince using NXT as a way, instead of actually having a good product, uh, not caring as much and just wanting it to take away from AEW. Because let's let's face it, we've said it many times, that's exactly what it is. And it also, with AEW shows, that with their very close ratings, and the Brody Lee show is different, but the ones beforehand... One with where Sting showed up and Kenny had the championship match. And the following week, right after that, um, they had very high ratings. But they've decreased a bit, even on their their, their pay-per-view show. Um, I don't even know. Maybe I'm just not thinking because I only think about wrestling on Wednesdays because uh, I'm a wrestling fan. I don't know how much competition they really had. But it, it's going to be needed for them to – one NXT has to go to another night, basically is what I'm trying to say, Chris. Yeah, this week is kind of a throwaway week because of the Capitol Hill stuff, though. That's a good point. I, I think a lot of people really focused on the news. Like, all of the highest-rated stuff, if you're looking at it ratings-wise, was across the board with CNN and Fox News with the unfortunate Was that the stuff. same day? Yeah, that was, well, oh. was Wednesday. Whew. So that's that, that was your big competition there. Um, this has just been such a weird week. Like, I, I actually expected the ratings to be a lot lower on both shows because of this. The fact that they still made were over 500,000 viewers, I was a little surprised on. Uh, just because, like I said, if you look at the ratings for those new shows, they were fucking off the charts. Which would make, I mean, make sense. I'm not saying they, it sh- they shouldn't have been. It's just, 
they did have stiff competition this week. And uh, otherwise, I think both of those ratings would have been a lot higher, maybe more towards the 800,000s because you had two big title matches on both shows, which normally would draw a lot of attention to, to those shows. So especially when you're talking about, you know, Balor and Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix. So it's kind of just a weird, weird week. Same thing as last week's ratings, because like everyone watched the Brody Lee tribute show. Because even WWE fans wanted to see what they were going to do for Brody Lee. So that was also just a weird ratings week as well. I guess we'll see how things reset uh, this coming Wednesday. Yeah, <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see. But uh, let's get into it itself. Let's get into NXT. We talked about AEW, like we said on yesterday's show. But NXT also had their own little pay-per-view. So this was the New Year's Evil pay-per-view uh first match right off the bat man uh or right off the back i should say was an awesome hard-hitting match between damian priest and the former uh nxt champion carrying cross you know both of them have awesome entrances especially carrying cross and then it was just a fight in the match um and you have one guy that He's more dom- dominating than anything, uh, and he's not like I kind of like what I said about Devlin, but even more so with with killing or uh, carrying cross, not killing Dane. Uh, he's 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 kind of ugly with with his slams. Everything looks like it hurts. Um, it's it's aggressive, and then he's going against Damian Priest, who's got such a cool demeanor, smiles even if he's getting punched, you know, talking shit the whole entire time, and is also for his height. Very fucking agile. There was one spot where he springboard off the second rope and did a and did a cannonball somersault, just nailed carrying cross. And then obviously the thing that also Luchasaurus does where he goes off the second rope and flips over to the outside, but just makes it look even more with finesse, uh, I would say. Just really impressive stuff. And the opposite personality, like I said, if one is cool and you know you know, talking shit, carrying cross, doesn't say a word besides grunts and yells and just, you know, has that intense face on. It definitely gave me a vibe of like Razor versus Sid, which is the two guys I've compared to both of those guys for a very long time, you know, and uh, I I liked the match a lot. And this might have been the send off for for Damian Priest, who lost against carrying cross. Uh, apparently, this might have been the write off tonight with both Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. Uh, apparently, Damian Priest was supposed to debut on SmackDown, not this last week, but the re- prior, but they changed it up. So he's going to be coming up, I think, uh, next, which is scary, but it's on SmackDown, so I'm a little bit more okay with it. Just like Rhea Ripley, it would be scary, but she's going to be into the women's division, probably going right after Charlotte, I would say. So I think that they can handle her, or I fucking hope at least. Um it's not like this last year with being in NXT has helped her at all. I mean, I have to say since WrestleMania, she's definitely uh, lost a little bit of steam. But thought it was an awesome first match. Karrion Cross is probably going to call out Finn Balor, I'm assuming, next week uh, based on what happened there with the main event. But great match to start off. Uh, definitely had my attention for a lot of it. Chris, what did you think about this first match with Karrion Cross and Damian Priest? 
So I think this match could have been, it was good, but I think it would have been better. It seems like, uh, from what I've heard, Damian Priest is nursing an injury, which is why he wasn't on SmackDown. I guess my question for you, outside of this match being, you know, pretty good overall for both guys, would what do you want them to do with Damian Priest? And do you think at this point, maybe if he is nursing an injury, do you just set him out and, and let him show up at Rumble? That would probably be the best idea, honestly. If they're going to postpone it already, just let him have like a little bit time off, get better with his injuries, adjust, show up at Royal Rumble, you know, maybe have an interaction because he's apparently they're what it sounded like. They're going to have him be the Keith Lee, if you will, to the championship situations of the new guy that's still going for the main belt. So maybe have an interaction backstage with talking shit to Roman Reigns to set up something for the future. You know, you got two pay-per-views after Rumble before uh, Mania. So you can have that be something and then have pull out a great match. But obviously Damian would lose, but give him some gravitas, show off in the Rumble him against certain other people and build him up and just display him a little bit more. But uh, yeah, uh, I think that that's hopefully the way they go about it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, th- I think that makes the most sense. I don't know that he's going to, I know they, they mentioned the Keith Lee stuff and they were going to put him in an angle with helping Kevin Owens, I guess was the original idea in this him scenario. And KO against, yeah. Against Jimmy and uh, Roman. And I don't know if that's the route I would go. I might, keep Damian Priest as a heel and bring him in and make him their top mid-card heel. Because right now that's Baron Corbin, which is eye-rolling. Like, who else do they have as a mid-card heel right now? <laughs> well, I not only Sammy. that, I... Oh, uh, yeah. Sammy's probably top heel or one of the top heels on the product besides Roman, but don't you think personality-wise that Damian Priest and Roman kind of, they kind of have not a similar look, but I feel like they're similar too much to just right off the bat put them face to face with Roman Reigns. Like even their how they talk, their 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 cadence to their voice, they sim- seem to have a similar like similarities to me at least. Yeah, specifically with the way Roman's character is right now. I mean, I guess Roman has the addition of just being a complete asshole, and he's got Paul Heyman. I assume if you're going to put him in there with Kevin Owens, eventually Damian Priest is just going to turn on Kevin Owens because everyone turns on Kevin Owens, right? So maybe that was what yeah, they were absolutely. going for. Um, and maybe they were planning on putting Priest with Roman. I hope that was not the case. But to me, hes oh. I'd give him a strong showing at Rumble, right? Have him eliminate five or six guys and then bring him into the mid card. Sami Zayn is, is their, I guess Sami Zayn is their top heel, but he's also chicken shit. Whereas Damian Priest can be like, what Baron Corbin should have been booked as <laughs> and not overused, especially in that mid-card. Damian Priest is a, a lot more an all-around wrestler better than Baron Corbin. I mean, you know, he's oh yeah, way, way more fucking charisma, can definitely be the heel guy they need in the middle of that. And it gives Daniel Bryan something to do until you're ready to set him up against Roman, uh, especially if Priest ends up with a title and you can do Daniel Bryan versus Damian Priest, which would be fucking great, right? Yeah, um, I agree with you. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him in the mix. I'm glad he's on SmackDown because I think they've done way better of a job with most everyone on SmackDown. Uh, and we'll go over that a little bit later. Not everyone, but they're doing a better job definitely than Raw uh, to me. So it's going to be a better place for him. I'm just wondering how they're going to go about this. I feel like this is there's two ways they can go about WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. 
there is the I wish, and I maybe we shouldn't all as fans think this is going to happen, but the fact that Dwayne Johnson has put interest in saying that if I do one more Mania, I'd like to do it with Roman. And, um, you know, he's he's a very busy man in Hollywood, but the, the industry itself is down. So I think he's copping his films. I'm sure he has a million other things to do. But if you were to have one last one, it would make sense with Roman Reigns. In this scenario, he would then be the tribal chief once he beats The Rock. So if that's not going to happen, I feel like Daniel Bryan is the next person to put in that spot. It makes sense. They've already set it up with him and Heyman on SmackDown and um, the the SmackDown, the talking uh, SmackDown, whatever the fuck it's called, the after show. Uh, they kind of established and put the works into that. You got this pay-per-view, Royal Rumble. Roman's going against Paul Pierce. We'll get to that, like I said. You got the the Elimination Chamber and one other pay-per-view for February and March. So those are other two people that they need to throw in there. Um, and then you have Mania, obviously. So I assume that if Daniel Bryan isn't the WrestleMania opponent, if if he, if they are getting The Rock somehow, that they would put Daniel uh, in that place at Elimination Chamber for a big match at the end of it. And I don't know what he would do exactly at the end for WrestleMania, but... They can figure it out. If not, they need two opponents for Roman in the next two pay-per-views before we get to WrestleMania. So maybe Damien's put in one of those spots. Uh, I don't know if that would really benefit him, though. But then again, main title spot on a big show leading up to WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. Even if he loses, that probably won't hurt either. Yeah, I... In, or they, if they have Drew McIntyre drop the title to Goldberg, I'm assuming that's what they're going to be doing with Drew. But if not, don't you think they'll I just go? Not. Don't you think they'll just go back to the well with Drew and Roman again? I would love that. I just don't see them trying to build. I think that might be the next one. Like that to me is the next WrestleMania, not this one, but the uh, the next year. Like put them both on the same show and have it Drew and Roman going neck and neck. You know, building up a whole entire year between them, maybe even like Macho Man Hulk style, um, something like to that extent. But this year, I feel like Drew's going to have one of the matches, and Roman's going to have the other match. Even and I hope they don't fucking do Goldberg going over. But uh, even though if Goldberg does win, I feel like Drew's still going to be his opponent at Mania to take the title off of him. I still feel like they'll keep him in that title picture. I don't know if they basically. I don't know if they would draft him right now, right before Mania in a couple months. Yeah, and always the toss-up to this is they do Elimination Chamber right after Royal Rumble, and I doubt you're going to see Goldberg in Elimination Chamber. So that would mean they would only do a Raw Elimination Chamber match? I don't know. This this is a weird one for me. Uh, if it was me, you'd probably just have Daniel Bryan win the Rumble and you yeah. set up you know, him versus Roman, but I don't... It's WWE... And also, we don't know if they're going to... I mean, it seems like they've been teasing unifying the belts for a while. So I could also see them doing that. You know, like, just... Uh, just try it for a year, you know? Just go back to the normal things for both shows. See if it works. I don't know why they won't. Especially because they're just... It's not... They're not traveling, right? It's all recorded in the same spot. So if you're going to do it, and you don't know how long it's going to be before you're able to travel again. It would make a lot of sense now to unify the titles because you don't have the talent having to fly to different fucking places 
and there's not as much of a reason for a brand split right now. Even if it's just the heavyweight title, I think it makes a lot of sense as hot as Roman is to put him on both shows. So if you're, I, I don't know, they probably, no, I agree that. with you because I think that you can build more stars that way. If I, I feel like Drew's going to stand out, if he's one out of many stars going back and forth with, with Roman, I feel like a lot of the guys would benefit that. Uh, you know, I think there should be just one title, both shows that's, WWE is both Raw and SmackDown, not Raw and SmackDown being their own brands. I think they definitely need to do that, especially for the tag division. I mean, the women's tag division, the women's division. There's not enough people in a lot of these places to have two separate divisions. We've talked about that a million times. Yeah, and I kind of, in the past, we've given them a little bit of a break because of travel, but they're they're not traveling. Yeah. So it doesn't... And now, right now, it doesn't matter what brand you put someone on. Like, for instance, Charlotte and Andrade being on the same brand is not as important if they're just fucking all working in Tampa. So if you're going to do something cool like that, it would be the time. Now would be the time to pull the trigger on it. You can always decide to split it back and do a draft if you want to later on. I can't see USA or Fox having a problem with that. Either, both of them benefit by having the opposite stars on their program, especially USA with Roman. Yeah, because right now USA is getting their ass kicked each week by SmackDown on Fox. <laughs> so I can't see that USA would have a problem with it. Now Fox might, because now Roman's getting exposed on two shows, but uh, I don't know. I, I... Then they the get only... AJ back. Then they get fucking Drew McIntyre. Then they get a lot of people back. New Day. You know, Fox still benefits, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, this is such a weird one this year. Charlotte's. Everything pointed to they wanted to do The Rock, and I don't know that The Rock is in ring shape. There, there hasn't been any news about him training or doing anything. I feel like he would have already cut a promo, unless they're going to have him be a big surprise at Rumble. Yeah. I mean, he would need to win the Rumble, I would think. Well, unless they position the person that wins the Rumble to be the Raw person, that's the. Then they can have the Rock be like, I'm the fucking Rock. If Goldberg can come in here and fucking just go for a title shot, I can go after my cousin and be like, fuck you, bitch. You know, and that's up to him. See, they kind of. I think they kind of fucked themselves by putting Goldberg against McIntyre, though. So stupid. Because. Now, that's another thing. I would way rather, and I know that I'm just wishful thinking he's taking a break, maybe indefinitely, but I'd way rather a fucking rematch of of Brock Lesnar than Drew going against, potentially, no offense to Keith Lee, him, a rematch with Goldberg from whatever happens at, at Rumble or anyone, honestly, for a WrestleMania match. Yeah, and especially knowing that this WrestleMania is not going to be in front of a live crowd, I don't know that having Goldberg win win the title and then just immediately go against Drew McIntyre again, which I feel like that might be where they're going. They're just going to retell that same Brock storyline. But, uh, God, I hope not. That that won't help Drew at all. No, I agree with you. But we'll get more down to SmackDown stuff and... uh... We'll continue. Uh, so Dexter Loomis, he's hosting. He opened the whole entire thing. Uh, weird individual, you know. 
what are you going to do? But he was at a commentary a couple times in the night, not saying anything. So I think Dexter, I think I've said this and joked around. I think Dexter Loomis and Orange Cassidy should have a staring contest uh, and see which one cracks first. That would be uh, interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I like also, by the way, I like Karrion Cross's new finisher. It was definitely different. He did the Sayedo suplex, but it just didn't work. So he kind of did, similar to Will Ospreay, just a fucking forearm blow to the back of the head. Looked pretty devastating. So now he's got that in his arsenal, the Sayedo suplex, and also the uh, the rear naked choke. But um, yeah, that's another thing. Real quick, before we move on, Chris, to the, um, the Cruiserweight match, I really think... Karrion Cross and Finn Balor. Now that Finn beat Car- uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Karrion Cross is going to beat Finn Balor, and that's going to be the next one they build up to after this. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be weird to me if Karrion Cross either calls out or attacks Finn Balor next week. No, and I think that's the route they should go since Karrion Cross never lost the title. He just got injured and they stripped him of the title, right? So. Yep. In storyline, that makes I, I feel like 100% that's where they're going to go. And then they'll probably, the takeover near Mania, maybe that's when you get Demon Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. That would make a lot of sense if they go that go that route. If 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 Cross can be the first one to murder the Demon, or, or beat the Demon, if you will, that's also going to help him out. Especially, like we've said in the past, if Finn doesn't want to do it anymore. Now, I don't think that's how Finn should do it. I think... I like Finn a lot. I'm a huge Finn fan, but I'm trying to think of someone to compare him with. It's like he either needs a group and to be that cocky, arrogant Prince Devitt to bounce off of, or to be the demon. Uh, Personality-wise, this is kind of so. Uh, Bret Hart, like Finn's fine with promos, but he just comes off aggressive, straight to the point. He's gonna beat them, you know. Like it's it's intensity, but. I'm kind of honestly, Finnish champions kind of not as as uh, as great as it was. So I'd actually have him lose to Karrion Cross relatively easy and come back. If you don't want to do the full face paint, that's fine. Either come back with a group of people, maybe completely join the Undisputed Era, or like we originally thought might have happened, or tap into the demon more and don't bring the demon out with Killian Cross because. Is, am, I, am, am I being too hard on Finn? I just feel like he's a bit stale. Well, it's hard to say because he got injured, right? So he won the title and got injured also and then just cut vignettes because they didn't want to hotshot the title again. Um, I I haven't really liked his promos the past month or so. It was the one time he was like the when the cat's away, y'all are playing in my kitty litter or whatever. I'm like, what the f- who the yeah. fuck wrote this? <laughs> like, I would have said uh, something. Yeah, I would have been like, I'm not saying play in the kitty litter. No one fucking plays in kitty litter. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Um, We're cat that, people, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, that made him sound fucking creepy. Uh, I I think he could be benefited by putting him in undisputed error, but then that limits what you can do with him and Adam. Cole in the future and him and Kyle O'Reilly again. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I think he, he drops the title to Killian Cross, and then you have one match in between here in Mania with Killian versus someone else, and then maybe you go to the Demon at the at Mania weekend, which would be a huge thing for NXT because that's going to be their biggest show of, of this year is that show right before Mania. 
And uh, like you said, if you want it, you can have him win the title back from Killian Cross. I don't think it's going to hurt Killian Cross that much. But Carrion. Balor. Carrion, sorry. Why do I keep calling him Killian? Sorry, Carrion Cross. I did the same thing. Um, no, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him that much. And you can, you know, it would be a good time to bring back the demon and show that other side of, of Balor because that's how he did it in the past in NXT. You know, he lost to Samoa Joe. And then he came back as the demon and reclaimed his title on his original run in NXT, if you recall. Yeah, um, I just kind of wish. And like I said, I'm a huge Finn Balor fan. I'm a huge uh, fan of Finn. I just it's just kind of weird also with the demon, how the WWE does it. Like, I understand it's a lot of ink, but, you know, to put on. But there is ways to get around it by putting less and kind of like I said, doing a Sibniet thing where it grows and grows more and more. And if you want to do the full one, you can display that at a pay-per-view, but it just starts off, but kind of having him in a direction where he's much more darker and just like gritty. I mean, there is a lot of similarities, I think with the whole Finn Balor demon package as KG Muto and the great Muto type of concept. But someone brought this up. It was on the uh, Wrestling Podcast after one of the shows, and I think it was Matt Morgan, which is saying, it's like, I love Finn, I love the Demon, but it's kind of like the Demon, like, imagine if Jim Helwig was Jim Helwig back in wrestling, regardless how you feel about him in real life like I do, he was Jim Helwig, and then he'd be the ultimate warrior just on certain pay-per-views. It's, uh, or if people back in the 80s and 90s whenever KG Mudo started doing stuff himself again, just as himself actually knew that he was the same person as a great Muda. Cause a lot of people didn't, you know, and there were a separation between the two. It just, it's, it's a weird dynamic that WWE and NXT chooses to do with the demon to begin with. Yeah. I, I mean, if he, if they, if they decide not to do that, he could just regain the title as Finn, but he needs someone to go against. We've already seen him go against all of the top, guys right at this point like yeah, who would be who cross would be was a... the person before him so maybe i don't know maybe finn loses the title and they do like an injury angle and he shows back up on smackdown or raw that might be the way to go honestly yeah. Yeah. uh just because he's not gonna there's no one it's hard to cut good promos if you're going against another baby face in kyle o'reilly so like part of the reason he's yeah. so stale is <laughs> he's not going against a heel really. Like when's the last? Who's the last heel he went against? Thatcher. How long ago was that? Yep. So a while. I don't know if they got a. I mean, you could do him versus Kushida as a babyface babyface thing, I guess. With the snapped version of Kushida, we haven't seen that match yet, and that would make a lot of sense. They both worked in New Japan. You could build that storyline, but outside of that, in Cross. I don't know what you do with Finn Balor unless you give him the demon gimmick back and, and have him feud with Cross. Well, I mean, we know that the original thing pre-pandemic was he was supposed to go back to UK, even though he lives over here. Obviously, all his family's there, so he's going to take some time over there to be able to be with them and also be able to bolster the UK division. So a lot of people assumed that eventually we would have Finn against Walter to be a match to get people to watch even more so for the UK product. Then the pandemic happened. Then he came back here. So I'm wondering if that's still in the mix post him dropping the title to carrying cross, or if he wants to stay here and just stay around afterwards. Uh, I have no idea and feud with them. 
or what they're limited still by the pandemic. Yeah, if they do something like that, if he loses the cross and then decides he's going to go to the UK for a while, you can set up a match with him and Valter, but that match needs to be on the NXT TakeOver show, Mania Weekend. It does. I wouldn't just throw that shit on a random NXT UK show. And if you do, it needs to be shown on actual NXT. This goes back to my statement at the beginning of the show. If you're going to have these big, what I would call pay-per-view quality matches between someone like Walter and and fucking Finn Balor, then that shit definitely needs to be on TV or at least on a WWE pay-per-view where you're going to draw more eyes because that's how you draw more eyes to the NXT UK product, in my opinion. I agree. Well, let's let's continue on. Um, and we'll we'll get back to Balor at the end of this show. But uh, next match, WWE NXT uh, Cruiserweight Championship match. The champion Santos Escobar going against Grand Metalik of the Lucha House Party. There really is, and this is more and more I see it. A lot of people saw a lot in this uh, in Grand Metalik uh, in the original tournament since he was mixed in there with so many awesome people, including Zack Sabre Jr., Nakota Bushi, TJP, and a lot of the guys. Obviously, you see right now in the division itself and daniel bryan's been very vocal about grand metalik uh he was huge in mexico and i get what he's doing even though obviously they have him chasing for the 24 7 title he's making a good amount of money he's going to build that up and once he goes he's going to be even bigger and even more of a draw i would say in mexico and AAA and cmll uh than he was beforehand because he's had exposure over here in the state so i get it and i get that you know not having a Big role, even as 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 much as it sucks, but on on the main product um, NXT, it's nice to see him being able to cut loose. And of course, you know we have him going against Santos Escobar with his group. He had Lince Dorado in his corner, and these guys have gone uh, against each other before in the past, and they put on a really good cruiserweight match. Shawn Michaels even tweeted on it saying that it was a great match. I wouldn't uh, surprise me if Sean says that after a lot of the matches that he helps uh, prepare. So, because I'm pretty sure he has a hand on with both the, with at least uh, Escobar. But um, good stuff. Grand Metalik is just very. I don't. He's got that extra, that that finesse that only certain wrestlers have that I've talked about before in the past. Like even the way that he does a swanton. No offense to Jeff Hardy, but it it it, it looks. Like it's it's dancing, like it's it's amazing how he is able to curve his body, do a springboard, swan time bomb, and make it look so crisp. Uh, a lot of stuff on the outside. I liked it at the end where Lince Dorado stopped, um, you know, the other two members of Phantasma getting involved, and just you know cannonball both of them, knocked them all down. And shortly after that, Escobar was able to take advantage of it and get the win. But uh, pretty good cruiserweight uh, champion match. The question I have, uh, you know, at, even though Grandma Talik lost, um, Escobar went on. But when are they going to address this two cruiserweight situation? They've literally got two cruiserweight divisions. I don't think they want that with two different champions having title matches um, on, on two different products of NXT. One UK, obviously, and one NXT. It's a very weird aspect. What do you think about this match, Chris? Well, I mean, if the cruiserweight is specific to the UK, they don't have to ever do a crossover between those two. I mean, I guess they could, but I I, I think they're probably just going to keep Devlin in the UK and have him be that cruiserweight champion and have the WWE slash NXT cruiserweight champion or 205 live champion just be that guy. That seems like where they're going with that. I like the match. 
I'm. It's really hard to get behind Grand Metalik when you put him on TV as such a goof for so long. Like even yeah. when he wasn't chasing for the twenty four seven title, it's not like Lucha House Party was getting meaningful wins. It's the same thing with Lince Dorado, and both of those guys are great. Um, Santos Escobar. I wonder if he's like getting advice from Grand Metalik now. He's like, don't ever go to the main roster, dude. <laughs> Stay <laughs> no matter, away. No matter how much they tell you, don't do it. Uh, he does seem like a guy that is counting the days until his contract are up. I think that's what you were alluding to as far as Grand Metalik yeah. goes. Saving up money, wait until he can be a big star in Mexico again. And I don't blame him if that's the case. Yeah, at least he's not going about it in a very dick way like Mystico did all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mystico's not even Mystico anymore. Uh, anyways, all right, so let's move on. Uh, the the next match was a very interesting uh, concept dynamic. This was the the uh, introduction of Xylee and Boa uh, past um, you know all these training videos that they have with this mysterious female figure. That's, you know, they don't show her face. You can just see her hair. It's almost like the ring or Ringu, actually, the, the original one uh, with the hair just slightly over her face, face painted white, looks really creepy, black eyes. So she sits on like her, her little chair throne, whatever the hell it is, and watches them. I like the entrance. I like the music. NXT is really good about setting up almost a cinematic like intro song like instead of it being a music song a person comes out to like a rock song or whatever song it's you know going back to shinsuke finn balor uh a lot of them this performance on the way there it's like the james bond music at the beginning of his movie or something like that to that dynamic so that i do like Siley looked deadly in the ring she destroyed this poor girl katrina cortez and uh one thing i have to say though Someone needs to get her to stop being so fucking stiff because it's not stiff as in snug uh, because she's been wrestling for a long time. She's no, she can do the opposite. If she's green and she's giving way too much force with her kick sometimes, like she kicked her in the fucking head at one point and it just was just completely deadly, just completely destroyed her. Um, it was like a big spinning back kick and just completely connected but uh, interesting stuff. I'm still curious who the person is. I still think it's pretty much... I don't know for a fact, Chris, but I think it's Mako Satomura. We'll have to find out. But the the, the, the segments themselves kind of were a bit cheesy. But, I mean, I got to say, I like the intro. I like I like this dynamic, this look for him. Boa, we haven't seen in the ring past this. Xylee still is aggressive, even if she's a heel now, I guess. Um kind of unsafe i would say a little bit since she's the one who also broke Aliyah's nose and i think fucked someone else up i can't remember right now recall off the top but uh what'd you think about all this well i actually think this is the best Zylee's looked like as far as a character goes so i'm i'm definitely excited to see where they go with her i, I agree with you she is a little stiff as we've seen in the past who was it that she broke she like broke their nose or Aaliyah. Yeah, that's what it was. It, she was kick- crying from that kick too, and I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was. Uh, you know, uh, what the fuck's the word? It was shoot. Basically, she was like actually hurt and crying from her nose being completely destroyed. Yeah, and like I don't think it was crying because it like hurt. So I mean, you get your nose broken, it fucks your sinuses up too. So that's 
uh, that that sucked. Felt bad for her for sure. This uh, this kick kind of reminded me of that. But outside of that, what they did with her, bringing her in this way, it's a lot better than what they were doing with her before. And uh, if it is Sadamora, that's going to be really, really interesting. And I kind of dig this story. At first, I was on the fence about it, but I think they've uh, turned me around. I will say uh, congratulations to Jeremy Borash. You're talking about some of these entrances and videos and stuff. He got he got engaged, so congratulations to him. I saw that, and uh, I think that he's probably the best video package guy in the business right now, especially if you watch these NXT video packages this guy puts together. So just thought I'd give a quick shout-out to him. Absolutely. Uh, definitely like the look. I like Boa kind of looked like he was from the Matrix. It's it's interesting. So I want to see what happens, and I obviously want to see the reveal of who their leader is. So good on them for that. Zaya, keep on trying to hold back your your kicks in the face uh, so you don't like destroy someone. Anyways, let's go to the next match. Probably my favorite match of the night. Uh, just an excellent last man standing or last woman standing, I should say, between Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. And this is supposed to, I was kind of like, why did Rhea lose again? But apparently this is her send off. Uh, but they, these women beat the living fuck out of each other everywhere. And if they made it interesting, I, I thought they, uh, I mean, there were table spots. It was all your normal things that would happen in this, but it just looked like a struggle. Both of them looked like they were just beating the hell out of each other. I thought they did a really good job building up to this. Uh, showing the relationship that they've had in real life for a long time outside of NXT of what we've seen. And uh, yeah, these, these, I think this helped out Raquel Gonzalez look like a monster. And uh, I think this might be the last we see of Rhea. It ended with Raquel doing a, basically uh, her powerbomb chokeslam maneuver uh, off the stage through this one section that was all tables, essentially, like they do a lot of times. And, uh, you know, Rhea Ripley didn't get up after that. But uh, I thought, like I said, I thought this was a really awesome, aggressive match. And both women look so damn believable and, and aggressive. And uh, this is enough of Rhea Ripley. We'll have to see what happens. I think that most likely she'll show up on Raw. That's where uh, a lot of the guesses are, at least, in, in, uh, in, and uh, rumors. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Maybe she'll stick around. I don't know. Right now, like I said, she's rumored to be showing up. Uh, most likely on Raw, and Raquel definitely should be going for that title, I would say, soon. They need her way more on SmackDown than they do on Raw right now. Um, but I, I agree, she'll probably show up on Raw because that's where Charlotte is, and they're going to want to rekindle that. I don't know if I would have had her lose this way, leaving NXT to go to my main product. If it's me, personally, I probably just wouldn't have booked her. But uh, the match itself was great. It was a really fun match. Um, I was bouncing back a little here and there during this match, so I don't remember everything about it. I did try to rewatch it, but I think this was at the same time as the Cody and Matt Seidel match. So I was kind of flipping back and forth between those two on this one. But I do, I, from what I saw of the match or the majority of the match, I, I did like it quite a bit. And one thing I think that they've done excellent NXT, we don't know what's next for Io Shirai because she's got so many people that seem to be, you know, trying to go for her. You know, I don't know if Shotzi's still tangled up with Candice now after their match that we're going to talk about in a little while. Um, but she's someone, obviously, we, we saw Mercedes Martinez 
on the show call her out. Tony Storm's definitely one of the people. Zia Lee looks great. And now we have Raquel Gonzalez that looks like that makes sense for her to be the number one contender. That's a lot of people going against EO. I like it when it's stacked against the one baby face with multiple options where you don't know where they're going to go next. It's not so painted out like we kind of just started breaking down with uh, Raw and SmackDown going forward towards Mania. In this situation, I don't know who out of those people are going to take it off of EO. I know it's going to be one of them, but I like that there's multiple options all gunning for the champion. Yeah, if it's me and you do have Sadamora waiting in the wings, I would almost just have her hold the title until you decide to unveil Sadamora. That's a good point. That's another person, too. Yeah, and that's if that is the case. Now, that might not be the case. She may not be the leader of this group. And then in that case, Gonzalez would look like the strongest to maybe take the title off EO at this point. Because EO's beaten everybody else. Yeah. Some like, some of them twice. <laughs> yeah. So like outside of maybe if you want to go with Zaya, you could do that, or Gonzalez, those would be the the two the two to go back to, the thing is, is just EO's beaten everyone. So maybe, you know, you can have her win a couple title matches in between here and there. But I think the next big thing is probably whoever is veiled with Boa and, and Zaya. And remember, we still don't know exactly what's going on with uh, Tessa Blanchard. Who knows if she's going to show up? Uh, there was uh, reports that NXT still is, uh, you know, want, is, is in consideration for her. Uh, and doesn't look like she's going to AEW. Uh, actually, Dave Metzler recently talked about that, how there is dissension in the back over whether or not they should hire Tessa. There's a lot of people, and I'm assuming her father's one of them, uh, you know, sticking up for her. And there's a lot of resentment uh, from the opposite side. So I'm not going to get into all that. We've talked about that shit to death in the past. But, you know, there's another potential person that could have at least some grounds to want to get in the mix immediately uh, based on the wrestling fans knowing about her uh, potentially in the future as well. So there's a lot of top people in the women's division NXT. NXT, like we've said a million times, is the best women's division, period, Chris, I would say, within wrestling, with Impact being close but not close, or maybe Stardom being another one that's close but still not close to NXT when it comes to the level of gravitas. I might actually put stardom a little above, but it's hard to tell because they haven't we haven't seen a whole lot of, out of stardom this year. But the NXT women's division is is fucking stacked for sure. Getting Tessa Blanchard's like a cherry on top of what all that what that division already is. I would almost debate that you would if you're gonna do Tessa Blanchard, you bring her in for the rumble, right? <laughs> and just put her on the main product yeah. because the main product is a lot weaker than your NXT show. Very right true. Now. And Tessa and Charlotte is a fucking dream match of dream matches as well. Yeah, and if if, you're, if they're going that route, if they're going to do Tessa and Charlotte, then I would definitely put Rhea on SmackDown so that you have something for Bailey and Sasha, a legit opponent opponent for them. Well, we'll have to find out, but uh, yeah, let's let's get down to the next impromptu match. So after this, we saw. The, the uh, Gargano household, the way, if you will, their group coming in limos and everything, flashing lights, making their way to uh, the, I would say arena, but you guys, performance center or wherever the fuck they film it at. Um, the CWC center, I think, is 
No, that's not that's not right either. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, CZW, the CZW Center. <laughs> Anyways, so they get there. Him, Austin Theory, uh, Indy Hartwell, and his lovely wife, uh, Candice LeRae, and they're all smiles in the ring. I like. I, I gotta admit, I hated the fucking stupid stuff at their house beforehand. But they're starting to come around on me, especially Johnny as being a heel that I want to see get punched in the face uh, because he's doing a, a much better job, I would say, than beforehand. Um, I like that he he talks about his girl and how amazing she is, and he's actually referencing his belt instead of Candace, which is a, a funny element. I like I don't like Austin being kind of the dumb one, but, you know, he got kicked in the balls several times uh, in this uh, from Shotzi. But basically, they're all gloating, um, happy as can be, and then comes Kushida and, and Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi comes out with the tank. They attack them, and uh, because of the, the host, uh, they just decide to do a match. Dexter Loomis hits the bell. Apparently, he got a cue. Uh, he was on commentary, not saying anything, like I said earlier, uh, which creeped out uh, Wade Barrett, who was right next to him, even though he's like two inches taller than him. And probably, you know, even though obviously Dexter is a big, big size gentleman, uh, Wade looks bigger in, in general. But he was uh, scared selling that the whole entire time. And Kushida and, and, and Shotzi Blackheart just dominated in a uh, mixed uh, gender tag match. And um, yeah, that was that was about it. I guess this is setting up Kushida's going against Johnny and Shotzi's still gunning for for Candace for her comeuppance. But uh, good job by both the baby faces. Kushida looked great like he normally does. Another guy that's uh, extremely fucking snug with his kicks. Um, but uh, I really like this, and I, I like Kushida and Shotzi Blackheart. So if you want to feed them the way, I guess that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. Things yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily like Kushida being involved in this title picture. I feel like he should be in the heavyweight title picture with the undefeated streak. They kind of gave him for a while, but uh, him and Shotzi together. That's a, that's a quirky duo. It could be, it could be fun to watch. I loved Wade Barrett's commentary on this entire show. I think it was a little, it's either earlier than this or after this, someone brings up beating the Miz or this person beat the Miz. And he's like, I've beaten the Miz who hasn't beaten the Miz. Everyone's beaten the Miz. It was fucking hilarious. Um, he had a bunch of stuff like that throughout this show. And I'm like, man, Wade Barrett's good on commentary. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. But th- this was a fun little segment. I don't mind Austin Theory being kind of a a stooge, kind of the Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe to whatever, uh, whatever we got Gargano doing right now. I like that he brought up the curse on accident, which made Gargano freak out and break a mirror. <laughs> It's just a pretty fun segment leading into this match. This is a very good match. Uh, I like Shotzi fucking nailing, was it uh, Theory in the balls with the tank? Like actually shooting the tank. <laughs> shooting I don't know the if we'd fucking seen that. Nerf missile. <laughs> <laughs> and the way Austin sold it was fucking great. So this was a fun, this was fun. I will say that. It was a fun segment. And, I, and like you said, this little bit of... Uh, this giving Gargano the belt and letting him keep it for a bit, I think has helped him as a heel because he has that he's throwing in those additional lines. Like you said, my girl and um, having Austin theory there to help him freak out this paranoid version of Johnny Gargano. That's not just like, look how great me and my wife are. 
is uh, an extra layer this group needed, for sure. Yeah, I agree. And just the commentary in general, I want to say, obviously it's not really hard compared to who they're going against, but NXT, by far, uh, still, you know, with all the changes they've had as of recently with Moro and everyone kind of switching around and everything, and um, uh, I forgot his name, but gentlemen going to UK to commentate over there. Niles, um, McGinnis, uh, they still have the best commentary team. And it's really impressive because uh, Wade Barrett's great. Uh, I'm very impressed, and I have been, with the evolution of uh, Beth Phoenix. Uh, And especially, it's very hard for her because she's not fucking there. So she has to get in there or wait for Vix Joseph, who does a really good job of sending it back to both of them and making sure that everything flows for the fact that she's not there, you know, and they still have that great three person dynamic. They're definitely the best commentating team in, in WWE, I would say. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. I do miss Nigel McGinnis every once in a while, but Wade Barrett was a good replacement for him. Um, and, and like you said, Beth, as soon as she started doing this Jerry, the King Lawler gimmick, <laughs> I, she grew on me a lot where she's talking about how hot the guys are. I mean, that is just, yeah. it's Charming. just Jerry, the King Lawler. It's just puppies, but with dudes, it's funny. I, I pop for it every time she makes a comment like that. Yeah. I love that too. She's great. All right. Well, let's get to the main event. An um, excellent follow-up. I would say uh, from Mr. Balor, the uh, NXT champion and Kyle O'Reilly and very physical match. I was watching. I'm glad I got, chance to watch both matches again because both main events were awesome uh back to back i definitely like the AEW one more and i definitely liked the first balor and and o'reilly match but i mean for a television match between two of them it was a good follow-up very hard hitting but mostly a lot of grappling i mean both these guys are great with technical wrestling kyle is so different about it so mma based and balor is more of your classic you know he's inspired by fucking your bret hart's your dynamite kids Chris Benoit's, you can tell, uh, uh, what you call it, Tiger Mask, uh, Jushin Liger, uh, being able to get in there and just do a lot of technical stuff. But they were hitting the fuck out of each other. I think the biggest spot, uh, which was great, was the receipt spot in which Kyle O'Reilly, I love this, this, this concept. He was in a submission and his arms were folded back um, and he couldn't do anything to be able to get out of it except for use his teeth. And he put his teeth on the ropes, and right immediately, since Finn Balor knew that that meant that he had to get out of it, he got out of it right immediately and kicked the fucking rope. Uh, and then Kyle was selling his jaw the whole entire time, so they they were able to get that in. But um, no, Kyle ended up losing. But it's not like I would say that's anything bad within it. He had a pretty awesome match, a second one with Finn Balor. I think Kyle has raised his stock a bunch. I really thought they were going a direction completely different than this, that Kyle O'Reilly was going to um, win the match and then Adam Cole was going to turn on him, uh, wanting that title. All that stuff that they build up to was all, you know, maybe true in, in, in Adam Cole's head, but then when he sees the guy with the title, it makes him snap. But that's not the way they're going. Him and Roddy are going to be in the Dusty. You know, they had an interview with Adam Cole prior in the night where he said basically that they were going to get back the tag titles the prophecy would be the same, and Kyle O'Reilly was starting it. That obviously didn't happen. When they came out at the end, it was really great because both, you know, they're baby faces now. There, there's, there's no 
heel dynamic anymore, it seems, with the Undisputed Era. They were like, we're proud of you. Don't worry about it. And Finn Balor looked like he wanted to go in there at the end and kind of give wait for you know Kyle O'Reilly to get up, um, to give him a handshake and put his arm up. But Kyle just looked pissed, and he just had you know defeat on his face. And then Finn said, fuck it, and kind of turned like with a fuck you, but not like verbally saying it, just with his facial expressions. And that was it, was Kyle... What is Kyle O'Reilly going to do next, Chris? And what is uh, we kind of already talked about Finn Balor, but what did you think about the match? I thought the match itself was great. I feel like you could. This is a toss-up on what match you liked better. If you are into bigger high spots, maybe you would be more into the Ray Phoenix Kenny Omega match. If you like Matt wrestling, this might have been your favorite match. I personally like the Omega match a little better, but it, it's. That one's a little weird because you also get the big bullet club thing at the end. So that kind of plays into that a bit. As far as what they do with Kyle O'Reilly, maybe he's the one that turns at this point. After loss after loss, maybe he feels like he needs to cheat to win. That would make sense. The other thing they could set up is, uh, you know, if Undisputed Era wins this tag team tournament, they can go back down the road to Pat McAfee leading into that NXT WrestleMania show, NXT TakeOver at Mania. Between yeah. those two groups, again, they could do something like that. I mean, there's stuff that they could do with, with this. And you could just set up Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole just with a with Kyle O'Reilly being the heel. It's going to be interesting, but I definitely enjoyed this match. Uh, great work from uh, both gentlemen. They obviously have great chemistry. It'll be interesting to see what Finn has next. I, I'm pretty sure it's uh, carrying cross, and that will be a great dynamic. I'm assuming that he'll probably drop it to who should have had the title a while back if he didn't get injured in that match with Keith Lee with uh, Cross. And uh, whatever will happen with Undisputed Air, what will this do to Kyle O'Reilly? What will this do? The fact that he doesn't have his tag partner, and now the two other members are going for what could Kyle get mess- messed up if they win the tournament and then win the titles? Like they can do a lot of things with this, even with Bobby Fish being out. And any way they go, I'm excited. I thought NXT was really good this last week. I thought overall, like I loved certain elements of AEW for sure. But overall, with some of the matches, first match I thought was great. Cruiserweight match I thought was great. The last man standing match I thought was great. This match, the match stuff, I think I'll give it to NXT. And, uh, you know, given what was going on that you reminded me of, I don't know how I forgot, with everything uh, going on at the uh, Capitol, um, both of them had a very close score, so I, I guess it's kind of even with both of these shows, I would say, Chris. Yeah, it, it, I liked both shows. I, don't, I, I would call this a tie for this week on which show was better, uh, just because AEW's show was very story-focused this week. You did get the big main event, but it was a lot of setting up stuff, whether it was with Eddie Kingston or with John Moxley versus the Bullet Club. Um. God, I feel like they did some other stories, and I'm just forgetting about them. We just talked about it yesterday, but it's there were some good matches there. I think NXT overall had the better in-ring wrestling show, if I'm being completely honest this week. But as far as like which show was better, this is like you said, a toss-up. Like I would almost call it a tie. It just depends on what you want out of your wrestling show, I guess. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the last wrestling show to talk about. 
Um, SmackDown, which Friday night, thought they actually had another good show. I know that there are a lot of fans that are not happy about the outcome of what happened, and I have to tend to disagree. I'll just throw it out there right at the beginning. I think that it makes sense that since they have focused on Adam Pierce allowing KO to keep on doing this, and it's been pissing and chip or pissing off and chipping at Roman, that he would throw this in there. And I'm actually happy, even if he gets squashed, Chris. You have a five-time NWA champion, uh, one-time uh, NWA Commonwealth champion, one-time PWG champion. Uh, he's been in every platform before WWE, and he's getting a chance to be in the main event of one of the major, I say the second biggest pay-per-view after Mania for WWE against Roman Reigns. Um, I don't expect it to be an exact squash. It would probably be boring, so he'll probably get some offense, but he's going to lose. But so many fans were like, what the fuck? This is who? This guy's a no-name. What the hell? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I just feel, and this is another situation where I just feel like people don't, if they don't know about the person, it's because they're, you know, grouped in and they don't pay attention to everything else. So it's kind of their fault uh, to begin with. To say that he's underqualified, and the, since we know he's going to fucking lose, I think it's just dumb. Uh, do you see it differently with Paul, with Adam Pierce? No, and I mean this match is going to be probably the opening match of the at the Rumble card, right? As far as probably. what they're going to be doing, I would say this is probably the opening match. He might get some surprise offense on Roman. Roman takes him too lightly, get a couple of close falls, and then Roman just demolishes the fucking guy. And maybe that's what makes Adam Pearce start to turn into like a Shane McMahon esque character in the way that he might book Roman. Or, you know, trying to find Roman's next opponent because he got beat by Roman. This is almost like a Vince versus Austin match. Not with the same gravitas because it's not like Pierce is ruining Roman's life each week. But uh, it, to me, it's like that. And, and the big part of the Royal Rumble is the Rumble itself. And they're giving you a big title match. Even if you don't care about it, I mean, Goldberg versus McIntyre, they probably want that to headline the show. Yeah. And then whoever wins this Rumble, I think, is going to be who goes after Roman, which will probably be like we talked about earlier. Probably would true. be Daniel or, Bryan. Yeah, not true. Daniel. Sorry. Yeah, and like I said, I'm assuming you're the same way. If this is the last match of Adam Pierce's career, which this will probably be, this is a nice one for him to just get in and be able to headline one of the major pay-per-views of this year against Roman Reigns. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm, I think that he'll still show some offense and – I'm assuming he's been training for this because, well, actually, knowing WWE, they probably fucking figured this out last week. But I'm assuming he's been training for this. But just be happy for the guy. If you don't know him, go back and watch matches with him and get to fucking know him instead of bitching about it is what I have to say. Well, didn't we hear recently that Adam Pierce was working with like Big E and a few of these other not Big E, but um, uh, Keith Lee and a few of these other people at the Performance Center? Yeah. That got sent back for retraining. With I mean, Drew fucking, Gulak. Yeah, like Adam Pierce is a uh, fucking great wrestler. Uh, I've seen him live when he was the NWA champion. He's going to look, if they thought this guy was going to completely fucking suck, they wouldn't put him on the second biggest pay per view they have against Roman Reigns, who's the hottest thing in the business. They, get, they obviously have something coming out of this. So give it a chance. And also, for the people that's like, why would you put him there? aren't you going to be very happy if this match turns out to be really good because you'll be surprised? <laughs> I guess, I guess maybe we shouldn't 
shouldn't say anything because we were probably, I mean, in a different regard altogether, me and you were both not accepting a pa- uh, Pat McAfee having a chance to be able to do it. So, And then we were completely changed our tone. So just in general, maybe uh, we should all start, stop judging the situation if we don't know information or don't know something and give it a chance to play out. Um, that's that's something that would be great in wrestling in general, that I do, that you do, that everyone does. But if all of us collectively could f- just let stuff play out, and if it sucks, it sucks. If it's good, it's good. Be a little bit better. Well, with Pat, we obviously didn't know he was trained by Rip Rogers. I mean, he was a former punter. Adam Pierce is kind of a known quantity. He's been in Ring of Honor, NWA, PWG. But the I mean, mainstream just... audience doesn't know that. Really? Are there any people left that wrestling fans? Wrestling fans definitely do, but I'm saying like mainstream, just WWE fans that don't know and think Wrestle Kingdoms, whatever you know, they 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 don't know who the fuck he is. I guess I just feel like that the audience is a lot smaller than it used to be. The people that are just WWE mainstream fans who don't look up who some of these people are that are on their TV each week. I mean, with the internet so readily available, I, you know, that's just kind of a weird excuse. I think it's like, yeah, I guess I would. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm expecting too much, but uh, I argue well, with these dumb motherfuckers, Chris, online. Trust me, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I'm not gonna name call. I just give Adam Pierce a chance. I'm sure it'll be a good match. Also, Paul Heyman is booking all of Roman's matches, so it they'll find something to make this good. I agree. So we start off with the champion himself, Roman Reigns, uh, talking. Uh, he gave respect to Kevin Owens for fighting with ambition. He blamed Adam Pierce for KO's injuries due to the sanction, since he sanctioned the match uh, between Owens and Jey Uso. The head of table showed Pierce a video package of what led to his uh, KO's injuries. Uh, Reigns ran down the authority figure for putting an uh, injured Owens in harm, harm's way. He got in Pierce's face for not showing him the respect he deserved by allowing him to pick his next challengers rather than waiting uh, on a gauntlet match. Uh, Pierce could not defend himself as the head of the table approached him, wondering if he was being called stupid. Reigns backed off just barely, but left Adam Pierce with a net lasting threat. And yeah, throughout this one thing they're not mentioning is they're kind of saying like, you know, Roman could whoop his ass and they're kind of hinting at this. Michael Cole did it. I know he had directions, did a terrible job with it, uh, but we'll kind of get to it. Um, like, we should not have known Adam Pierce was going to be a part of it till the end. And this was hinted kind of in this, but should have been left when this happened. And then when, you know, uh, Paul Heyman talked to him too and kind of alluded to him being a part of it, they shouldn't have been like, well, if P- Paul, if, if Pierce will come out. And then we get to the fucking last match. Shinsuke wins. We all think he wins. And then they go, oh, but there's one last person. Like, ugh, that's the way the WWE does things. That drives me crazy. But I like this promo. Once again, Roman Reigns is not taking any type of credit for anything, uh, for stuff that he caused, uh, putting it on someone else. Very mob boss vibe. Very, very aggressive vibe. I love, and I've said a million times, this version of Roman. I liked him just making Paul look like, or not Paul, look, making uh, Adam look like just a fucking peon. And I thought this was a good open to the show. Uh, what did you think, Chris? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think everybody in the segment was great. And as far as them teasing it throughout the night, I, you know, it would have been cooler if it's a surprise. 
I think they were trying to hold ratings throughout the night. The one thing I'll say about the show, there was a little unsuspected, uh, like I didn't suspect that it was going to be this way. I thought they were going to have a everyone go home happy show, especially after the Capitol stuff. If you go back in time and look at how WWE books things after something like that, it's usually all the baby faces winning. And I think I even sent you that as a message. I was like, man, we're going to have a bunch of baby face wins. Uh, they swerved me. They, did, they didn't go that route. We did get, you know, Biggie winning and a few other uh, things that people popped for, but it was not the show I thought well, it was. Vince is a Republican. Oops. Said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, Linda McMahon is one of the people that is the chairman of that funding for the rally that started at the Capitol, but that's a whole different story for maybe a political podcast. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty much done with doing those. Oh god. Anyways, let's uh let's keep on going. But yeah, I definitely liked Roman and and uh we would go next to an Intercontinental Championship match with Big E and Apollo Crews. Uh pretty good match showing a different dynamic with Apollo Crews kind of going heel in this, getting pissed off. So the story they told is that, you know, at one of the pins, uh the ref realized that Big E's shoulder was up. And so he was giving back the title to Biggie. Biggie was trying to apologize to Apollo, like, hey man, I'm sorry. Like, you know, it is what it is. That's that's what rule that's that's rules. Um, or or I think maybe both of their shoulders were down. I don't remember exactly, but something to that extent where it set it up. Apollo gives enough gruff, calls out Biggie. Biggie's like, all right, fuck it, we'll go again. They started off the match and Biggie won and got slapped in the face by uh Apollo afterwards. So I'm assuming Apollo's going down a different direction, Chris. Uh, probably going to become a heel, but I guess uh, something for Biggie to do for the time being to let him allow Apollo to develop this new heel persona. But at the same time, as the IC champion and with all the different people that are potentially in the mix, I kind of would rather see Biggie be doing something else if this is going to lead to some long term uh, storytelling, even if it's for one pay per view, honestly. No offense to Apollo. What do you think? I want to see Apollo as a heel. I, I think that could be something to help resurrect his career a little bit. So I, I actually didn't have a problem with this. I, the weird wonky finish with, uh, I guess, the, the false finish they did where both men were down. So they just restarted the match instead of calling it a draw. That was a bit odd. But outside of that, I thought this match was pretty good. Biggie looked good here. He gets a strong win. Apollo obviously slapping him at the end. Uh, officially, I am assuming, turning him heel, setting up for that match at the pay-per-view. Like I said, you know, after the Rumble, if Damian Priest is in the Rumble and has a strong appearance, that might be the next guy to go after Big E. That would make a lot of sense because he would be a strong heel that we haven't seen. And someone for Big E to to have a match against at at Mania, potentially, if they want to go that route. Otherwise, I don't know who he would face. Uh, I mean, I guess you could go the route of uh, hmm. After I think he it's got to get back to uh, him and Sammy. They still have unfinished business. I I, I would assume. Yeah, that's like, what I was going to say. Are we talking about Mania? Yeah, if we're looking down the road here, if you if yeah. Damian Priest is showing up, I could see him being a mid card heel. You could put against Big E, and then I guess Sammy would be after that again. Hey, I'm down for uh, either or, for sure. All right, so next we had a tag match. And I got to say, man, I really like this tag match, even though it was very out of nowhere. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode won. 
As far as the tag team, especially makeshift, they've been doing this for a while. Um, they worked really fucking good with tandem offense. They look like a great heel tag team. Obviously, I mean, Dolph's, I don't, he's been in multiple random makeshift tag teams, but Bobby's a fucking tag team specialist. I would give him that credit. Uh, but I like the matching gear. I like them acting like fucking heels. Uh, very uh, midnight-ish, if you will, even. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. And, you know, uh, you had the the concept that Montez Ford was 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 injured. They exposed that. They kept on him. He finally got Angelo in. Then they were able to break down Angelo Dawkins. And by the time that Montez got backed in, he was fucking done. And Dolph took him out. Uh, really quickly with this double team move with Bobby, where uh, Bobby's now doing the uh, the spinebuster into Ziggler's zigzag, and they got the championships. And I think they're going to stick with this. You know, we haven't seen a lot between these two teams. Um, if we'll probably get so much that we'll be hating it in the two months, and I'll have a completely different tune. But I like this rivalry. This is a new stuff, and I think that Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler are actually really working well as a tag team. And this is the first time. You know, with this match, I've seen that both of them seem like they they give a shit a little bit more. I like the matching outfits, like I said. I like their 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 offense, and it was very shocking that they just beat the tag team. So um, to me, this actually was pretty good, and I wasn't expecting it to be good. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, the same. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a bad match because of the people involved, but I liked the storytelling in this match, specifically with Montez Ford. He looks like a million bucks here. Uh, whether it was just selling the injury that he sustained early in the match. To finally getting the hot tag back in and, you know, he had like a little bit of a hot run there and then immediately got cut off because he was hurt. I, I liked that. It, it gave you like the Ricky, like kind of the Ricky Morton vibe. Um, I thought this was really good and I have no problem if they want to keep the titles on Rude and Ziggler until Mania and then have Street Profits win it back thin. That would be a big moment for the Street Profits. A good, let's send the fans happy uh, home happy with that kind of match kind of shades of, you know, what they've done with Naomi in the past. And that'd be a huge win for street profits, obviously. And they, and they don't need the belts. I mean, they're good enough on the mic to not really need the belts. Whereas the makeshift ta- tag team between Ziggler and rude, them having the belts probably helps them a little bit more than the, uh, the street profits at this point. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And this is definitely a makeshift team that, kind of aggravated me at the time because I thought Dolph was completely checked out and Bobby, I just was so aggravated with his booking, but this decision, what they're doing forward, I'm assuming both teams at mania probably uh, for the belts and the profits. Like you, you know, they'll get it back. It'll be a big moment, but for a makeshift tag team is what I'm trying to say. I think they're doing a good job with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I will just say as a follow-up, I mean, that might be why they're giving more of a shit, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, if they know that they're going to be in a big match at Mania. So, you know, good good on them. Because they looked, to me, they looked like more of a tag team here than they have in the past. Absolutely. And I, I think, and I think they've had the titles before, right? When they were on Raw? Yep. So right now, them against the Street Profits, that's... Uh, that's just a weird, wonky matchup, but it is, it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I, it's one rivalry I'm looking forward to probably headed all the way to Mania. Yeah, it's, it's, it's better than the Prophets versus Viking experience, right? Oh, for sure. And, and I'm sure <laughs> we're going to get some, some great matches between, you know, you're going to get your singles matches. You're going to get some really good matches between like Montez and Dolph and, and Montez and Rude um, yep. and, and, Daw- and Dawkins and Rude. 
like it just depends on what they do. If they just give us the same tag match every week, I probably like you said start getting tired of it. But if they're gonna do like singles matches and promos between these two guys and not overexpose the tag teams as far as them facing each other week after week after week, depending on how it's done, I think this could be pretty good. And let me just throw out there that between now and Mania, if these are the two tag teams, if there were to be a th- third thrown in there uh, to some extent, Usos come back, make their dominance, Jay and Jimmy against the two tag teams at Mania would be fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, that could be a surprise. Maybe we get like a ladders match or something. It's been a couple yep. Manias since we had a, a tag ladder match for the titles. A tag? Because this last year was supposed to be, but the, a tag ended up being singles because everyone else was sick with COVID. Yeah. So we could, maybe they're going to give us that match. That would be, you know, that's a good, that's a good call with Jay and Jimmy. That gives Jimmy something to do at Mania. And I feel like, or Jay something to do at Mania. And he's been such a big part of the storyline. That might make a lot of sense where you end up with a three-way. Uh, and then tag match. you could potentially have after that fucking Roman wins and they win. <laughs> and now they're the champions. Yeah, and Street Profits chasing the belt probably is better than them just having the titles with the very limited tag division that they have right now. Yep. All right, well, let's get down to the main event, uh, some backstage stuff. Pierce talked to his new assistant, which is now Sonya Deville, uh, who you know questioned about what they're going to do in the future with the tag division and, and some other stuff. Uh, but Paul Heyman came up, and he was trying to, like, you know calm down Pierce and say that he wasn't against him, that, you know, that, that he likes him, you know, but that he's messing up. And this is where I said, he kind of alluded to that Reigns kind of wants him in the tournament if he's to prove. And, you know, Adam was like, I haven't fucking wrestled him forever. I'm not doing that. And, uh, that he, you know, Heyman told basically after that, that he was in the gauntlet match, like, you know, he was going to be a part of it. And, yeah, Pierce all freaked out. And then Billy Kay asked if, he, if she could join the Riot Squad, and thank God the Riot Squad told her no and to go fuck off. And uh, I really like Liv Morgan's makeup. It looked fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, at, after that, Sami Zayn brought out a special camera crew to film a documentary that exposed conspiracies against him. He stepped into the ring and immediately took a 619 uh, from Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah, well, actually, that's the start up of the match. I'm sorry, we won't go into that yet. Uh, what do you think about this backstage stuff? Sonya Deville's back, and now she is like a, a co. Uh, uh, she's like an assistant, I guess. Seems a bit weird. I would actually be putting her as one of the main people in the women's division. And uh, Paul Heyman kind of bullies Pierce and tells him that Roman got him to be a part of the uh, the, uh, the the gauntlet, and we're we're wondering if that's actually going to happen, or we're left to wonder, if you will. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's a bit weird to see Sonya Deville as an assistant, but maybe she's not ready to get back in the ring. I mean, she was going through counseling after that weird break-in that happened at her house, so yeah. maybe she's not ready to dive back in yet. So this is a good role to at least put her back on TV and get people more, uh, let people remember who she is, and then you can always set up a match like maybe she's fed up with somebody bitching at her too much about things that are happening in the women's division, and that's how you bring her back into the fold. I do think, you know, them setting up Paul Pierce for the or Adam Pierce for the uh, Paul Pierce is a basketball player. Fuck. Yes, he uh, is. Adam Celtics. Pierce, baby. <laughs> Adam Pierce for the uh, for the match later on. Like you said, I, I I 
would have liked it a bit more if it was a surprise, but I could also see why they were. I could also see why they were probably teasing it. I mean, if the idea is we're teasing this to keep people to stick around to the end of the show, maybe that's what they were going with. But yeah, that's fine segment. Weird Sonya. But there could be multiple reasons why they're doing that. Sorry, my phone cut out there for a second. So uh, go ahead, Dane. All right, so we got the match. Shami Zayn brought out a special camera crew, like I said, to film a documentary that exposed a conspiracy against him. He stepped into the ring and immediately took a 619 into a splash to be the first eliminated by Rey Mysterio. And what I love about this, and kind of, I guess we'll pause real quick, just like, and we'll get this later on, uh, Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke finally got a chance to clash again, uh, you know, for another uh, match. But it's been, I think, one other time short. And they've been wanting to work together, basically, in a long-term storyline for a very long time. Ray and Sammy have been wanting to work against each other for a very long time, going back to him as Generico. So we barely got that, but I'm hoping maybe this sets up, if Sammy's not going for Big E, you know, WrestleMania picture, I hope this sets up some type of rivalry with Rey Mysterio and Sammy going forward. I think they would have excellent matches, and both guys really want to do that. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, Chris, too, with the dynamic of Shinsuke, if now he's going to be babyface again, because it seemed like the respect with him and Daniel Bryan shaking each other's hands, that's changing him. And the fact that he gets fucked over at the end of this, maybe he's also someone that can claim that he deserves a title shot in one of the pay-per-views, either Elimination Chamber or the next one, leading up to Mania. Yeah, it did seem that's where they're going with Nakamura, as he's going to be one of the opponents at Elimination Chamber. I, I think that that's a that's a good good es, uh, a good guess on what they might be doing with him, and and it does look like they're switching him as a baby face. I'm glad he's not in a tag team. I think this is the best Nakamura has looked in a while in this gauntlet match. If I'm being completely honest, yeah, uh, I did, and I liked the opening with Ray uh, just immediately hitting a six one nine on Sami Zayn for the first pin, and Sami being completely fucking shocked uh, about that, and I. I was surprised that they continued the conspiracy theory on this show right right away after everything that happened last week, but it, <laughs> uh, it is point. what it is. It's, it's wrestling. Um, Sammy versus Rey Mysterio. I can't wait to see that on the opening match of Royal Rumble on the pre-show. Oh, don't do that. They'll, they'll still have a great match regardless. Yeah, it's not my fault. That's just where you would they were going to put that match on Rumble. Because neither one of them have a title. And that's yep. where those matches end up. So, unfortunately. Well, hopefully we'll see more between them uh, to begin with. But anyways, uh, Nakamura came out. And him, and him and Mysterio also is another dynamic that's really cool. They actually have pretty good chemistry together. Uh, with their two completely different styles. But eventually, inevitably, Shinsuke would tap out uh, Mysterio with an armbar. Then entered King Corbin. Uh, who attacked everyone on his way to the ring, uh, sneak attacking the artist. The the king used that edge to dominate Nakamura, but his opponent refused to quit even after a deep six. He caught Corman returning uh, to the ring, doing his wraparound uh, clothesline to back in the ring with the Kinshasa, which was actually a really cool moment, and then eliminated him. Uh, then we had Brian come out. Dana Bryan knew that he had the advantage uh, with Nakamura grounded, in his third straight fight, uh, 
A technical war between the veterans ensured that Brian seemed to have the fight in the bag until Nakamura caught him running with the Kinshasa for a shocking elimination. And at this point, we kind of thought that Shinsuke had won. Him and Daniel Bryan, like I said, you know, uh, Daniel got up, offered a handshake. They gave a handshake, showed a lot of respect. Uh, we know that these guys really respect each other in real life. So, like I said, I hope that we get to see more between the two of them within the future. And I think Daniel Bryan, like, like you, either he's going to win Rumble or he's going to win Elimination Chamber, and he's going to go on to go against Roman Reigns. Um, so let's 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 talk about the majority of the match before the stuff with Pierce right following it. Uh, how'd you like, you know, Nakamura mich- mixing it up with Mysterio, uh, the Corbin stuff, uh, you know, and then him and Daniel Bryan towards the end of it from what we thought might have been the end of the match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match, and I like the fact that they gave Nakamura some strong wins. If you're going to rebuild this guy as a singles competitor, he needed to win these matches. And uh, it was believable in the way that they did it, where he's hitting the Kinsasha out of nowhere. And that wasn't the finish for each match. I liked the uh, armbar on Ray. So uh, this was a really good gauntlet match. I think they go to the gauntlet match a little too much, especially this time of year. But um, for this one, it made sense with what they were trying to do. And and I enjoyed it leading up until the weird thing with Adam Pierce. Yeah, and that that's the thing I don't like. Uh, so Pierce was sent out reluctantly. I think he was wearing what what sweats? Like okay, I guess there's absolutely no one that can give him any type of like wrestling gear. But um, he was with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and Heyman. They're all encouraging him in this match, and you know Shinsuke's ready. But then Uso gets in. He attacks Shinsuke. Um, and then Roman comes in, starts knocking the shit out of him. We had Uso with a super kick, Roman Reigns with a Superman punch, and then they put him completely out with a splash. And uh, Reigns knocks out Pierce and drags him over Nakamura to win. And now Pierce is going to be going against, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, will be going against Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble for the title. And this is what I already said at the beginning of the show. I don't have a problem with this. I really liked what they did with Nakamura. It sucks. It seems like they have more for him, though, uh, within all this, and different options, too. The fact that he should claim to Roman that you fucked me over, and that's the reason why I wasn't going against you at Royal Rumble. Like, you were scared to go against me, obviously. Or the fact that him and Daniel Bryan showed respect towards each other, and we know that that storyline, they've wanted to do that. That could be an excellent Mania match by itself, but they don't have a million hours even though uh, they'll probably end up doing two nights again, I, I think. Um, I could be wrong on that. But uh, Roman looked dominant, kind of a weird, funky ending. And uh, I guess that's our Royal Rumble match. Chris, Roman Reigns, Adam Pierce for the title. Yeah, and I mean, I, you would think that Adam Pierce is going to lose at Rumble. And depending on how he loses, that could set up him starting to send, starting to put. Roman into very terrible situations like Roman might be the first person to enter Elimination Chamber as the champion. That's great. Because the pods are opening, so you could just make that a story where Adam Pierce kind of fucks this guy over. That could lead to, you know, Daniel Bryan winning or, or Nakamura winning, depending on where they want to go. Uh, I could see Nakamura and Daniel Bryan being like two of the last six or four in the Royal Rumble. And they could flesh that storyline out. If they want if they want to have that match, you could do that as well. Um. Yeah, it does seem like they have something for Nakamura, which I'm assuming is the Elimination Chamber. But I, I, it's just it would be crazy to me that 
Roman is not in the title match at Mania, so he he may end up just oh, retaining yeah. at Elimination Chamber. And this is just goes to what we've said in the past. I don't understand how SmackDown can have a really good show, not have so much ridiculous, dumb hijinks. Um, I know two hours compared to three hours, but it's the same fucking people writing for it. So I don't understand how they have such an easier show to watch. And they're able to set up multiple things usually and storylines that we actually want to see play out. Um, Raw just fucking can't do it. And the three hours definitely don't help, but I don't see what the difference is creatively. I don't know how the fuck there's that much different of a dynamic and split between the two shows, Chris. Well, one show doesn't have Bray Wyatt anymore, so you don't have to do any of the dumb Bray Wyatt shit. And you, they didn't oh, bring in man. any legends. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't bring in any uh, legends for SmackDown. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's the big difference is SmackDown is booked like a wrestling show. Raw is booked like an entertainment show. And it's three hours long, like yeah. you said. That's a good way of saying it. But um, I think that's it, guys. We got you two hours. We went over some other stuff that I thought of on the fly, I guess you could say. Um, at the beginning of this, apologize about the last show saying that we we're going to go over Hard to Kill. That's next weekend. I didn't realize the Impact does pay-per-views week to week. I think that's kind of weird. But, uh, hey, whatever. At least we have more content to provide you guys with uh, next week. But I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, if you guys want to go and check out Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google, you can find different sound options uh, to listen. So it's different downloadable platforms. First one up is Red Circle. But we also are on iTunes. We're on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, um, all your major you know, listening downloadable platforms. And our website, geekvibesnation.com. That's geekvibesnation.com. Lots of news articles that we have on there from all of our various amazing writers. And then also, you know, different websites for our social media stuff. You know, hit me up on Facebook at Dane Alves. Uh, we're on Instagram as a group. I'm not on that. But also on Twitter, uh, Geek Vibes Nation. You'll find all of them. And join, uh, you know, join the conversation. Be a part of Geek Vibes Nation. Hit me up, like I said, at Dane Alves on, on, on Facebook, Dane Alves 42 on Twitter, and we'll have some conversations about wrestling. I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Uh, have a lovely Sunday, sir, you know, and just, just enjoy yourself. And say goodbye to all the lovely people. <laughs> you too, buddy. Have a, have a great Sunday. Uh, everyone out there listening, y'all y'all have a, a good week next week when you're probably listening to this. And uh, stay safe. And if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton. You can hit me at Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook, at Chris R. Patton uh, on Twitter, and at Chris R. Patton on Instagram. So uh, I should also have – we should have the Skates to Throats podcast. If you're a hockey fan, check that out. Me and my co-host, uh, Keegan and Dakota, will be breaking down the season openers that start on January 13th, as, where, as well as the retirement of Corey Crawford, which will be interesting to hear me talk about as a Devils fan. So check that out. And, and Dane, as always – wonderful show thanks for having me on as your co-host and everyone like i said have a great week of course i don't know who i would do it with besides you maybe my cat crying in the background probably couldn't provide that uh ability without your amazing co-hosting skills christopher but everyone out there thank you guys so much for listening to us have a wonderful evening peace out and let the geek vibes be with you all right <laughs>